ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome to tonight's show, everybody. I'm your host, Nate. Throw horns, bitches. Throw horns. Yeah, for the music. Go, go, go. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not the only one that does that. No, I do that all the time. In fact, I did it during the intro. I saw you do it. That's right. Anyway, obviously. I hope our, I hope our listeners do that. I'm joined tonight by Uncle Mark. Hey, guys. Yeah, should be a fun evening. Did, did not get eaten by a bear on the canoe trip last week, so that's, that's good. That is good. That, that is good. Did you include that in the chat section for later? We can talk about how you were not no, eaten by a bear. No, that was a total, no, but now we know, because, kind of well, I'm here, that's a failure, and I'm not virtual Mark. I'm not I'm not a cloud-based Uncle Mark that, that Nate has uh, loaded a script into. A cloud-based Uncle Mark AI. <laughs> That would be. I don't think anybody would want that anyway. So you're, we're good. you're probably right. I don't know that anybody would. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> yep, that's fine. All good. All good. Uh, all right. It's been a couple weeks since our last show, um, just because that's how the schedule falls. Every other, or every second and fourth Thursday means that sometimes we get three weeks off in the middle, and it's the end of a month. It felt a little foreverish. It kind of did. Kind of did. So, anyway, we're back. We're glad anybody who's watching is watching and anyone who's listening is listening. And uh, we, uh, we have kind of a, I don't know, kind of an off topic for tonight. Just because, I, know, I guess it's kind of related. That's the whole reason we're covering this stuff. But I kind of came up with this almost last minute because um, you guys, you all have to go and pressure Jason. Go find him on Twitter or wherever. I guess Twitter is pretty much it. Go find him on Twitter. Mm -hmm. He's not on the Facebook. Huh? No, he's not on the face. You have to go tell him you want to hear his story because we haven't heard it yet. I mean, I've heard. I know it just because I've known him for so dang long. But uh, can I harass him on Discord, too? He might pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, you could. You could. You could harass him on Discord. Discord. Um, but uh, yeah, he um, I don't know. I guess he's busy tonight or something. He couldn't make it. But we were going to have him do his story tonight. But since he's not here, I had to come up with another topic. So we're going to talk about side jobs. And what I mean by that is not like going out and starting a lawn mowing service, but I mean using your IT skills to make extra income, right? Now, I have not, I, I used to do side jobs on the side when I really needed the extra money. Um, Mark, I know that you, you have a very strict, the workday is over, work is over sort of policy now. But I assume that Yo, that's yeah, not now always, that I was do. not always the case. No, I, I actually, shortly after I got married and had very little money, mm -hmm. um, I started my own small business called the Computer Guy. Oh, even had business cards and stuff. Yeah, and this was kind of a whole somebody if they were having personal computer issues or you know wanted to learn how to do stuff, I would charge hourly. This was in the this would have been in the in the nineties. Not a bad time and, to be getting prior into IT, to, right? Yeah. And honestly, prior to that, like, I think when, when I went over my story a few, God, was that months ago now, weeks ago, whatever, when, when we did uh, when we did the uh, the ballad of Uncle Mark, uh -huh. I believe I mentioned how I used to, you know, work with my dad doing doing computer stuff for him yep. when he had launched his own consulting gig. And that kind of went on that that went on through most of high school when i got to college i 
beyond just going to, to school at Rutgers, I also worked in the computer lab. So that was technically a side job. Yeah. And yeah, be, besides helping students who are having computer problems and loading the printer with green bar paper, we played an awful lot of Dungeons and Dragons and argued about Star Trek and stuff. Sounds but like a great That job. really wasn't part of the day. Oh, it was fantastic. Like great We'd job. occasionally annoy the... We liked it so much that those of us who worked there would go and hang out there when we weren't working, which would occasionally <laughs> frustrate the, the students who just wanted to get work done. Yeah. We were pretty friggin' obnoxious. I'm not going to lie. But, yeah, I I definitely, throughout my throughout my high school, college, and then younger marriage time dabbled in the computer consulting stuff again this was a time when people would buy personal computers and not really know how to use them i also occasionally uh there i had more than one rich parent who would buy a computer for their sort of spoiled child and I would basically tutor them on how to do stuff on the computer. There you go. It's not a bad and way. To go. I, I wonder if and any I'd of make them, a uh... yeah, I'd make a ridiculous amount of money for that too. I wonder if so any of them turned out to be productive computing people, I or if they just used computers it. to look up they, porn on the internet. No, they probably inherited their family business and like died of coke overdoses. I mean, these were the <laughs> the, 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 the the rich '80s kids. Uh, all right. So anyway, the context that I'm going for here is, you know, you've already got a successful career in IT, assuming. I mean, for varying levels of success, right? You but have you, a career in IT. You have a day the job. hypothetical you. You have, a, you have a day job we'll, in IT. And we'll talk like our Pittsburgh friends. Yins have a job. Yins. Yins have a job. Okay. Yins have a job. And uh, you just want to make a little bit of extra money, right? So I always – I I compare – working in IT, just like any other skill, right? So if you're a welder or a fabricator, for example, and it's just another thing that I know, right? Um, it's not that uncommon for you to do side jobs where you're repairing, you know, people's trailers or you're, you know, whatever. Or some some even make art, right, out of out of metal, right? And then they, they sell it on the side just because either they enjoy it or they want a little extra money, right? Even though uh, you can obviously make a decent amount of money as a skilled fabricator, right? Well, the same kind of goes for IT. You, if you're good at IT, you can make a decent amount of money in IT. If you really want to chase it, you can make a lot of money in IT, right? And that's just the way it is. Now, you're talking about welding, and of course, now I'm like lightly fantasizing about Jennifer Beale and Flashdance, you know, and the song's going, and she's welding. But anyway, hi. I don't know if I remember Jennifer Beale. It it was a movie from a long time ago. It was I, in the 80s. I know. You, of, were, you wouldn't have remembered Flash. It. I they know used to play the music bands. video all the time. I don't know that I Yeah, she it. was a welder who wanted to be a ballerina. Oh. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, so... Boy, Aronami that's says a he, Aronami says that uh, he doesn't know if he's ever confident enough. Aronami, let me tell you something. If you're ever that family member that when you're at your aunt's for Thanksgiving and, they're, and they want you to look at their printer... You have you have plenty of skills to to get money from people doing IT yeah. as a side job. And I guess you know Please. we can we can touch on this. Do not as part of do the deal, not right? underestimate the stupidity of the average American when it comes to computers, right. or whatever country you happen to live in. Right. So it's actually it's a little frightening how many stupid people own technology. Right. So as I see it, there's a couple categories here. There's you can you can do like single task oriented work. 
like AKA consulting jobs or, you know, like one off you're paid to do a task and then that's it. Uh, there's part-time jobs. Like literally you can go work for a second employer for part of your day and work for a full-time employer for the rest of your day. Uh, and then there's like your own self-starting business like Mark was just talking about. And like I did for a little while. Um, I guess we'll touch on each one a little bit, right? So, um, kind of where I wanted to go was not necessarily like what jobs could you do or how you find them, although we, we can certainly touch on that. What I wanted to talk about first was, because this is the thing I kind of wrestled with and I first thought about doing quote-unquote side jobs, is like what are the things you need to think about, say, from your current employer or from, you know, other angles that we'll, we'll touch on in a second. Then we'll get a little deeper into like what jobs you might want to do, right? I'm not here to give you ideas on how to start your next business or something, but um, anyway, so for me, I had these thoughts in the back of my head because sometimes I overthink stuff. Is it ethical? Like, is it ethical to take my skills and uh, use them outside of my current employer? Now, here in the U.S., of course, there's nothing wrong with it, right? Well, I, I think that depends, and that can change over time. I remember when I was when I was young, uh, and so let's say this: I remember watching like episodes of The Flintstones, in, probably in the early seventies. And you're gonna be like, "Where the hell is he going with this?" <laughs> the Flintstones. But there was, I remember there was there was a point or two where Fred like needed to make extra money, so he was moonlighting. Yeah. And right. that was like scandalous. Right. Like Mr. Like if Mr. Slate found out that Fred was moonlighting, he'd fire him. Right. And and the millennials today are laughing because some of them have three or four jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think, you know, ethical moonlighting when when I was younger was not the typical thing. You had your job and and that was pretty much it. And having a, a second or third job, I think has become something that's probably a little more common nowadays. Um, as far as ethical, there can be a tremendous problem with that, depending upon whether or not you are either directly competing with your employer. Yes. Or if you're in a situation where, you are getting an unfair advantage based on your employer. Um, there are situations like where, like imagine for instance, we, we work for Red Hat, right? Well, what, what imagine how, uh, how big of a conundrum it could be, for instance, if me as a Red Hatter ended up like doing some consulting work for an existing Red Hat customer and then taking advantage of, of that without both parties being aware. Right. Right. Like I, I could have inside access, inside information that it, it could get that could get really unethical really quickly. So I, I think if you're going to do if you work in I.T. and you're going to do work outside of your current company, First of all, make sure you haven't signed some sort of employment agreement that says I won't hold another position in IT right. or in this industry as long as I'm employed. And if you don't have that, you got to make sure that you don't end up in a position where it's a conflict of interest. And if you do discover that, 
Well, then you better back out of that really quick. And you might you might even the ethical thing might be to even, you know, kind of fess up to your employer. Hey, I I, I was starting some side work and I didn't realize that, you know, I put myself in a situation where it was a conflict. And, you know, just so that just so this doesn't get stumbled upon down the road. Here's here's what happened. Right. Now I'm no longer doing this work. Better to come out know. in the open about it than to yeah, try I, to brush I, it under the rug and have someone find it later. Yeah. I realize I'm kind of doing a little bit of verbal diarrhea right now, but those those are kind of my thoughts on some of the ethical situations I think you can come into in IT. Yeah, no, and that's I, that's valid, and that's really – I think that's what I had in mind when I wrote this. But then, you know, doing it live, my brain shut off for a second there. So thank you for also, filling in. <laughs> you also – you could be in a situation – so, so this laptop over here, for instance, this is my work laptop, Red Hat Pays for it. I use it for my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used, I've occasionally used my Red Hat laptop to do like, you know, Boy Scout presentations or stuff like that. Now, is that a conflict? Am I misusing company assets? You know what? Technically, probably, although no one I think gives a shit, but by the book, I probably shouldn't do that. And 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 Aranami just kind of pointed that out in what he just said. Yep. Ethically, he draw the line where he's either sort of competing with his employer or using equipment or software or scripts that may be considered to belong to the employer. Right. Yeah. Are you? If you, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't use your stuff from job A to make money at job B. Yeah, if you're if you work in uh, information security for some little uh, you know infosec startup, and then you start your own little side business where you're doing infosec stuff and using the tools you use all day, right? Like then you got a whole lot of gray lines you just crossed, and that's and that's just like if a very if like specific. If they're company, if they're company you know? specific tools yeah. or tools that your company paid for. Now, if it's open source software that yeah. you that just happens to be the same open source software, then I don't think that's so much of an issue. Yeah, but I but, mean, like you're going after the same customers that your employer might might. Right? Okay, like, that's well, a and that's <laughs> that. You're absolutely right. That that does become a conflict. Yeah. I, I can assure you that helping helping neighbor with his personal computer for a couple of bucks right. an hour, not taking any business out of Red Hat's pocket. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, or I wasn't taking business out of Merck. A lot of my side work was done earlier in my Merck career or when I was at this other mail order computer company. And not, none of my side stuff ever conflicted with either of those roles or positions. So the next point I had was, and this is related to is it ethical, is does it matter what your employer thinks of whether you're working on the side or not? So that goes back to the Mr. Slate firing Fred for moonlighting. Right. Um, I, I think, again, so so here's where, here's where I think my stance on that would be. If I'm, let's say, my side business, I won't use an obnoxious MLM, I'll use Avon, right? Because <laughs> Ava, my mom was an Avon lady. Avon's my best a pretty friend's common one. mom was, was an Avon lady. And they didn't used to be MLM, right? Right. Um, if I'm at work and I'm using my work computer and my work time to sell Avon, that's a problem. Yeah. Right. Because I'm on my company's dime using my company's equipment for my own little side work. And the same thing can happen with I with side IT business. If I'm doing my Red Hat Tamming job 
and and I'm taking calls or doing work for a side business, which I don't have right now because right. I don't I don't want or need it, then that's that's an ethical conflict as well. Yeah, and your, that's your your work your work time belongs to your employer. Yeah. And that's that's says that's Mark exactly, as he browses Reddit at one o'clock in the afternoon. That's exactly the the sort of trail that I wanted this to lead down, right? So up to a point, I don't think your employer has any business caring about what you do with your free time as long as it's your free time. And as long as exactly. you're not conflicting with your day job, which goes back to whether it's ethical or not, because it's in it's right. not ethical to trample on your day job's business or use that as an advantage to drum up your own business, right? But if you're, in Mark's example, taking phone calls in the middle of the day, now I'm not saying like somebody calls you at 2 p.m. and you quick answer and that's it. I'm talking like regular abuse of your free time yeah. at work. Or someone someone calls you and you're like, all right, well, I can let me look at it tonight when I get home right. or are you free right. you know, next Tuesday? Right. That's a now, little different. That's like taking a call from my wife or right. calling so for a medical appointment or something. Any, any of us that have a life outside of work have, I guarantee you, spent time on work's time not doing work because you had to go to the doctor or you had to make a phone call or whatever, right? It's when it becomes frequent that it becomes a problem in, in my eyes, right? And again, this is going to depend oh, on your employer, yeah. right? I, I worked nah. for well, that little web host that I worked for. That guy was a freaking tyrant. If I had tried to have a side job that was even slightly related to the business I did all day long, he probably would have nailed me to the wall for it because he was like Mr. Slate. <laughs> We're giving Mr. Slate a bad name. Yeah, well, you know, Mr. Slate I, was kind I remember of a tyrant. Mr. I'm remembering Mr. Slate through probably seven or eight-year-old eyes. Yeah, right. He seemed like a bad guy then. Maybe yeah. we'd relate more with, with Mr. Slate now that we're older. I might. I might. That Fred Flintstone. He's terrible. Flintstone! <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and we're not even going to get into the discussion of, okay, in the IT world, um, how many hours a day are you actually really working? Right. Like as you move up, like lower level jobs, like working at a factory, working at a restaurant, whatever, more assembly line or constant work queue. I mean, you're working all the time as yeah. you move into more white collar and I.T. and thinking work. How many how many hours out of eight a day are you working versus how many are you staring at the wall or reading, reading something or just trying to compose your thoughts? I, I, maybe we shouldn't have the discussion now because people <laughs> might, I might make true confessions that are embarrassing. Yeah, no, so it's a valid thing, right? Um, in, in my days in IT, or I shouldn't say in IT, in my days as a sysadmin uh, at the college, even though I was in person in an office, out of an eight or sometimes nine hour day, depending on when I got there and when I left, um, there was probably a good two to three hours where I wasn't being act actually productive, right? Either I'm eating, oh, I was gonna eating I was lunch gonna or say for a walk or whatever. I was going to say you had maybe two or three good hours a day and the rest were filler. Well, no. So just being present. No. Well, so to your point earlier, right, I had a lot to get done, right? So if I wasn't doing that stuff, if I was spending two or three hours productive a day, then I would not be very productive. 
period. Right. Uh, Unless see, I was just job, really good at it. Right. <laughs> my job was uh, when I was when I was doing sysadmin work. My job was to find the most efficient way to to do stuff. Absolutely. And automate stuff so that I could get everything done yep. very quickly. Yep. So and spend more time reading about EverQuest. Yeah. And that and that is the that is the goal of every sysadmin. Right. But when, yeah. you know, in, in, in circumstances where you have a lot to do and not a huge team, it sometimes is hard to just find oh, the yeah. time to oh, automate and, there are the, and that there could are the be a days. whole other <laughs> Whole other there show. Are the day, yeah, there are the days when it's you know foot to the floor, yep. throttle wide open. Yeah, the, but those days are not. Gen- yeah. If that's every day, you're doing things wrong yeah. or you're severely understaffed. But I mean, to to your point, as you move further up, and I don't even mean into into management because I know managers that are so much busier than I am today. I so much busier. I think some of it's self inflicted, yeah, but they, that's just maybe, they, maybe they just seem so much busier. But anyway. Um, but you're right. As you as you get into more of a role where you're less hands-on and more, you know, sort of uh, thought-based, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. Sort of like our roles, right? You yeah, get you get a lot more leeway. Doctor House. You get you get a lot more leeway for either staring at the wall or what appears to be not working, yourself. but in fact yeah. you're really thinking. Yeah. But let's we're we're off topic. We are here. a little bit off topic. But anyway, so, so so the point is like. If, even if you have that "quote unquote" free time during the day, it is still your employer's time, it, and at any that moment, that employer no should be expecting and, that you will be productive for them and not conducting right. your side business. <laughs> right, because when you're in IT, either when you're the sysadmin or people like us who support huge organizations, mm-hmm. like yeah, maybe maybe it looks like I'm sitting around, but within the next ten minutes. A major company whose name everyone on this podcast would recognize might be calling me in a panic because shit went down. Right. And I'm going to help them. I'm going to help restore their business. And they're losing thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars every minute or so. Right. You know, that's when you that's when you really earn your keep. So. So that's so I think we've kind of I think we've drawn good ethical lines here. And you know what? If you're. If if think about it this way, like if it's the kind of thing where you could tell your direct manager, yeah, I've got this little IT business on the side. I, you know, I do this stuff on weeknights or weekends and I make X amount or whatever. If you feel you could tell that to your manager and they wouldn't give you a hard time about it, it's probably ethical. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably that, a good rule that, of thumb. If you feel like you ethic. don't have to make it a secret, then it's if probably If you feel like you don't have to hide. Yeah. But let's talk about some of the things that are an argument against side work, the things to consider. Right. So I'll tell you. So we've already heard some of Mark's story. Personally, I've done consulting on the side. I've done uh, I ran my own business on the side. Right. And those, those are I ran this little web host. And I told you guys about that, I think, when we did, when I did my backstory. Right. Um, and that spanned a couple years. The consulting thing or the side work in that that it was actually working for an old employer. As I was, as I had moved on to a new job, um, mm-hmm. there's things that you need to consider when you're dealing with those things. One is if you work nine to five or eight to five or whatever, right, and you have all the stress from your normal work day, and then at the end of the day you punch out from there and you start doing a second job, whether that's a part-time job or consulting work or an extra business that you're doing on the side, even if it's unrelated to IT. Um, Unless that second job is somehow therapeutic to you, like some people do 
arts and crafts as a second job because they find it to be a de-stressor from their day job, right? And then they sell that stuff to make a little extra money. But if you're doing IT on the side, it may be just as stressful as your day job is, right? And that's a thing you really need to think about because you get vacation time from your day job. You may not get vacation time from a side business. You may not get vacation time from a side job because, you know, people have come to depend on whatever it is that you're doing and you're it. There's no backup for you. There's no other comp there's no other employees or maybe there's no other employees to help out. So that's a thing you got to think about, right? There's extra stress involved with it. And the other thing that I mean you should be aware of but maybe isn't obvious is that every penny you make, even if it's not on the books, is technically every taxable. Every penny you make. Right. So at least here in the US, I don't know how this works. You take. <laughs> I don't know how this works in other countries. Every quid you make. Yeah, right. There you go. Sorry. So uh, you got to think about taxes. And I got to be honest, sometimes side income isn't as clear cut as just getting a W-2 and filling that into your taxes. So either you need to be smart enough to figure no. that out or you need to have an accountant that will help you with it. And that's or gonna, it's got to be a small enough money. amount. It's got to be a small enough cash only amount that you don't have an ethical problem not reporting it. Right. Right. You didn't hear that here. <laughs> uh, hey, you know. No, you're right. You're right. If it's a small enough amount, and I mean, you're talking pennies or whatever that would have been given to the IRS, then that's, you know, that's up to you. Know, you. But technically, uh, every uh, every penny you make is supposed to be reported here in the considering U.S. Considering how much money the government wastes on so many frivolous yeah, things, I, I would feel very little guilt about minor side cash jobs, them never knowing about it. I know that that's not right. You know, right. But whatever. But no, if if if, but if it is true, you are you are you are legally liable for it. If you're making Nate is absolutely right. If you're making so little that it's that you feel like it's not reportable. I mean, unless your your judge of not reportable is a much higher than mine. Um, is it really worth doing? <laughs> right. Well, I made five hundred you know, bucks this year. I'm not going to report it to the IRS. What did I get out of that? <laughs> Well, honestly, when I was doing my side consulting stuff, that was sometimes like a game I wanted to buy or we yeah. had a bill we needed to pay or, yeah. you know, I, yeah. And, and, and so it comes down to the question, is it worth it? You know, there's the old maxim of no one ever said on their deathbed, oh, man, I wish I had spent more time at work. Right. You right. know, so unless the side job is something that's really fulfilling, um, if you don't need to do it. I mean, that's my stance. I don't, I, I don't need extra money right now. I, I mean, right. I don't, I like, I like money. I like being able to buy things with money, but I, I honestly have enough to, to live the lifestyle I want. And I'd rather spend my time after five o'clock and on my weekends doing, if I want to sit on the couch and stare at the TV, then, then I have the freedom to do that. I don't have to worry about um, chasing down business or, you know, yep. one thing that always one thing that always really I got I would always get nervous about is I would fix someone's computer or something and I'd get really nervous and be like, well, what if they call me back and it's doing the same thing again? Am I going to keep charging them or did I not do a yep. good enough job or and now I got to go back and essentially work for free or dilute what I got paid already? I didn't like that at all. Yeah, I uh, that aspect of it really bothered me. That, so Yeah, and I had the same thing with the web hosting thing, right? So when I worked in web hosting as a day job, right, there was a team of people there, right? If I couldn't figure out a problem, 
I had someone to fall back on. I could bounce it off the, the assistant admin or I could go to the boss because he did have a technical background. Um, although I probably knew more than him at that point uh, because he was the boss. You know, that's what happens when you move up the chain. You start to lose some of those technical skills. Um, yeah. But when I was doing it as a side job, it was me and my business partner. And we each had our strengths, but they weren't in the same areas, right? So, like, he yeah. was a Cold Fusion programmer, right? Remember Cold Fusion? Um, I, I know of it. I never used it. Uh, so we had one customer because the, the web host that we left was a big Cold Fusion place. That's where I met this guy. And um, so he was the he was a Cold Fusion guy. He knew Cold Fusion in and out. He knew how to write Cold Fusion. He knew how to manage Cold Fusion servers. I was okay at that stuff, but the whole other side of the business was just Linux-based web hosting. And he... He was okay at that, but he didn't really know it, right? So if I ran into a real problem, it was it was on me, right? There was no, there right. was no falling back to anybody else. But I'm kind of rambling at that point. Um, my point is it can get stressful, right? Uh, because now all of a sudden the day job that you got to punch out at five, like there's no end to this. If you have a problem, you need to solve it. There's no like, oh, I'm done at five. I'll see you tomorrow. Joe can pick it up when I leave. It's get it yeah. done, you know? Get it done, get it done. And no, and I just, yeah, it, you're actually at the point where you effectively, if you own your own side business, you're, you're, for me, you're mentally never off at that point. No, you're not. You're not. And that's a thing to consider. Now, are you being called at two in the morning? Unlikely, depending on who you're on who you're doing this work for. That's the but, other thing to consider. You can pick and choose who you work for, or who you do work yeah, for. You I can. should say, right? If someone seems like they're going to be really high maintenance, you can certainly back off and hey, not work with. I, that I can I can do that at Red Hat too. At this point, lucky bugger. Hey, <laughs> no. I've been like, yeah, I don't want that account. Yeah, but yeah, I'm sure we'll all get there at some. Well, maybe not all of us. Because there has yeah, to be someone will. to take the accounts nobody wants. You will. You're on your you're on your way there. <laughs> so anyway. No, no. Um, we, we've got a Nate and I work for a great boss who who works on making sure that uh, he tries to to align accounts with the people who are mm -hmm. most compatible. All right. So um, this all comes down to you know you got to make a judgment call. Is it worth the extra money? Right. All right. Uh, Personally, so, right? So I, I mentioned the IT side jobs I have. I also run this podcast, right? This is a side job. It makes a yeah. little bit of money, not a lot of money, but I'm making like a hundred bucks a month from from you very generous patrons. I'll, probably half of that goes right back into the show. The other half goes into just, you know, if there's expenses and whatnot and equipment upgrades and, you know, sometimes I just need an extra couple bucks, but whatever. <laughs> But, oh, you see, to, to me, the podcast is a hobby. So I yes, completely, right. there's so, like, I feel no, me I like, I feel an obligation towards it, but not to the point where, oh, I get paid for this. So I better make sure I'm there every time right? and make sure that if I can't be there, somebody's there, right. blah, 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 so blah, 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 blah. My I happen to enjoy it. I but. I have from the beginning I have treated this the, the podcast as just a little bit more than a hobby. It's absolutely a hobby. And if tomorrow I decided I just don't want to do this anymore, it would probably end and all of you patrons could no longer be patrons and that's fine, right? Um, because there's really no commitment, right? Like I do feel a slight bit of commitment to all you viewers because and listeners because you know, I hope you enjoy what we do and I like giving it to you, but 
you know, bottom he line is it to it's not a job, right? I could walk away from it if I really wanted to. But there is a slight bit of commitment there because there are people paying for it. There's people who count on this show coming out, right? Um, and my goal for this show the whole time, as far as Patreon is concerned, is to make enough money from Patreon to pay for things like the podcast hosting and whatever other subscriptions we have to pay to make the show work, like domain renewals and web hosting. And really, if I were to run out all those numbers, we're probably breaking even right now, which is fine, right? That's great. That was my goal. That's it. We don't need any, any more patrons. Anyone who else wanted to be a patron, you don't have to. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, my point is, uh, it is a little bit of work on the side. And the same thing for the YouTube channel that I run that is that is Jeep-related, right? So there's a, there's there's very little commitment there because the stuff that I've already produced will stay there for as long as I want to keep it there. Uh, nobody's, like, expecting me to make more. The only difference is if I stop making content for YouTube, it'll slowly stop paying me. And even that is not a lot of money, right? Mm. So it's it's not like life changing money, right? If you're running, if you're working at a side job, whether it's your own business or something you're doing for another employer, uh, and that becomes a part of your monthly budget, like money that's required to live on, all of a sudden, that commitment is more than just to your employer. It's commitment to your to your life, right? To your to now, your lifestyle. Now, computer consulting for my dad back in the 80s started as side work Yeah, because he was an insurance salesman and then later managed a team of salespeople. But he realized he was actually good at it and could make a fair amount of money at it. So the side job became his own thing and 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 became and became his primary business. Yep. So it's possible that. You know, those of you listening who get into side work uh, might end up deciding, hey, I like working mm-hmm. for me better than I like working for the man. Yep. So Jason, and that's, if, if that's you, that's fantastic. Jason's dad. I like it. Did yeah. the same thing. He, he ran a, a little web host and ISP on the side and eventually it became his job. And that was his his primary job until I think until he retired, to be honest, he may have retired. Well, it became his business, right? Yeah, right. It was his business. That was his that's thing. like that all American dream and thing. Jason worked for him for a while. Then he worked on the side for him for a while. Right. Because obviously it's family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of folks who have done the YouTube thing or podcasting and they turned it into an actual career. Right. And that's cool. Yep. Right. Especially if you're passionate about it. Right. If you're. If the one thing you love is creating content, like this show, for example, and you can make a living doing it, like, awesome. Great job. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that's where you're going with that. but No, uh, <laughs> no, I was saying, yeah, if, if that's what you want. Now, I like, I've discovered that I don't really want to own my own business. It's a lot I'm of work. doing well enough working for the man, Yeah. and I get to hang my hat up at night, and I like that. So that was the dream... Early in my IT career, that was the dream, to get away from this employer that I don't love working for and be my own boss and everything, right? And I never really realized that until after I had really established an IT career. And then I just sort of dipped my toe into it. I'm like, you know what? Working for them over there is a lot easier. I'm just going to go focus on that. It's easier, right? (laughs) And if it's not soul-destroying, then there's nothing wrong with it. Right, right. So we can have a whole other show about trying to find a career that fits you, right? Which is a thing that I think Mark and I have both finally succeeded at, right? I mean, I thought that's exactly where I was when I was at the college, too, but then things changed there. But I talked about that already. 
Yeah. No. So um, in a good place. So let's say you want to do the side work. I see you've uh, you got some suggestions other than just running into people around your neighborhood. Right. So that's of course one way to do it. You can. There's lots of ways to meet clients. Um, there's lots of ways to find side jobs or side work. But in the world that we live in today, where everything is just a couple clicks away on a website, there are websites where you can submit yourself as a resource to do certain jobs. Right. Like these are the skills I have. Almost like putting in your resume. And then people can come and say, I need someone who's, I don't know, a Zimbra administrator. And they can find people that are skilled in that. And then they can say, okay, I need some work done on my Zimbra infrastructure or whatever, right? I use that as an example Fiber. because that was a thing that uh, I was good at it at, at the college. And there were actually people on Upwork, which is one of them, that were looking for Zimbra administrators. And I very much considered that as a side job then, but then I really, I weighed all these things that we just went through and decided not to do it because I didn't want the extra Fiverr's stress. Fiverr's funny because I was in a sea shanty phase a few months ago, although yeah. it wouldn't take much to kick that up again. <laughs> and this one dude used Fiverr to hire, uh, to put together an orchestra for a really cool cover of the Wellerman. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. The, the two that I that I know of, and there's probably others out there, and maybe I'll try to do a little more research and throw some more out here, but the two I've actually seen or know people that have used, one of them is called Fiverr. You've probably heard of Fiverr. This was one of the first ones I'd ever heard of. And a lot of people use it to commission artwork, right? I don't know if you can find IT jobs there, but I, I think you can. Uh, but basically, as a, as a customer, you go to Fiverr and say, I want someone to do a thing for me. It matches you up with people that say they can do that thing, and then you pay them a little bit of money, and then they get that money and do the thing for you, right? Upwork is really the same deal. Upwork is a little less about artwork and a little more about, like, tasks. Like, um, I saw a job posting on Upwork, again, this was years ago, where someone had a bunch of data that they needed to translate from one language to another, and they put it up on Upwork, and someone who knows both those languages can get that done, right? Or if you have a tool, it'll do it for you, right? You're being paid for your expertise. You don't necessarily have to know Arabic, right? Maybe you have Google Translate at your disposal. Um, or the thing about the Zimber infrastructure, that was literally a thing. Someone's like, oh, I've got a Zimber server, and it's not doing this right. It's not doing that, and I need help, right? So that's a great place to go look for just task-oriented things to do. I'm good at administering a data. I'm good at translating data, for example. You go and do that well there's this guy here on fiverr i just did a search for linux and there's this dude who will fix your linux server issues there you go starting at 20 he's got 478 reviews and his uh five stars man yeah right so actually 1277 total reviews and it doesn't require leaving your employer to go find a new job you're not you're not like putting out resumes and and trying to trying to find a match you just it's like a dating site for work <laughs> yeah the best way i can describe that i think but uh but yeah i've heard good things about both fiverr and upwork uh and if any of you know of other sites out there that you think i should include in the in the list when i put up the show notes let me know within the next couple hours because <laughs> after that it'll be too late put them in chat maybe if you're here live wow this could be fascinating what are you looking at i'm just looking at fiverr Anyway, I'm going to stop looking at Fiverr. I know a lot of folks that have used Fiverr for like, 
Well, making a podcast, right? You need logo artwork. You need, say, a theme for your live stream, like this theme I applied to this one. This happens to come from StreamYard or Streamlabs, but um, you can pay someone to make a theme for Streamlabs, and they'll just give you the stuff, and you pay them, and there you go. You've got a custom theme, or hopefully custom theme. I know a, another YouTuber who paid through Fiverr to get the uh, the logo and stuff for his YouTube channel done, right? It's a great way to get stuff done for folks that don't maybe have artistic talents. I occasionally get the people who point me to articles about people who like run D and D games professionally. Oh yeah. For a hefty for a hefty amount of coin, like you should do this. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think that but takes now, some of the fun out of it, right? Now that I now that I looked on Fiverr, let's see. Now you're like, what does it what does a dungeon now master I'm make? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go D and D. See if I can search that category. I'll do cartoon. Oh, this is drawing. Uh, got it. Uh, let's go for Dungeon Master. I will be your incredible Dungeon Master. Wow, there are people who are on Fiverr offering to be Dungeon Masters. Do they uh, list what it's worth? Like, do they list what they're demanding price? So this guy... Uh, will be your dungeon master for D and D five E games starting at fifty bucks. Oh. Fifty bucks for a game I presume he enjoys playing to begin with. So he'll be yeah. This is this is uh, this is actually fascinating. I'm going to throw this in chat. So anyway, um, and we'll uh, if you want to throw that into the notes, if people want to see it, they can go ahead and do that. But uh, yeah, so the and this this actually brings up a really valid point. And then I think unless you had more to more on the topic, I think we'll close up. But um, if you want to be a dungeon master for pay uh, through Fiverr, just keep in mind that now I guess you're, I could do that. you're now you're all of a sudden paying. You're being paid for a thing that you enjoy doing, but you're doing it on someone else's schedule. You're doing it, you know, sort of beholden well, to another master, right? No, you would so, set you could set up. That's like, like McDonald's has a schedule. If I want a Big Mac at 3 a.m., too bad. Right. I got to go when they're open. Right. No, so what, I, certainly... what I mean is it could, and maybe it won't, but it could easily turn from this is a fun hobby to this is a job and all the baggage that comes along with a job. Well, honestly, occasionally, even with the gaming group that you and I are both in, there were times when yes. it felt like it was turning into a job. Right. So, but then all and, you had to do, I'm, and I'm the, and I'm the one paying because we're often hosting at my house and I'm making the food. All you have to do food. though, is say, I need a break. You get a break. Yeah. Right? Then you feel guilty. Maybe through Fiverr it's different and you can just simply not offer your services anymore. But then is that person going to keep reaching out to you? Oh, our campaign's not done. Ah. <laughs> I think, I think, well, so that's, that, that becomes a matter of setting clear expectations. And then, if if you do a crappy job and you don't meet the expectations, you get bad reviews. I mean, that's that the market would fix that. Wow, this was a pretty this not bad for a topic you made up today, huh? Yeah, right. This I think this went pretty well. So um, yeah, I I thought we would talk about what you could actually do as a side job, but that's so subjective. It based it's based on your skill set. Um, you know, whatever you think you're good at, and the the comment earlier about how I I don't trust my skills enough to do that. I mean, nah. imposter syndrome is a thing. Get out of your own way. Um, honestly, if someone's paying you to do a job, it means that they have enough faith that you're able to do that job. 
you know, I you know I fought what? with the same thing thi- for years, right? So and if things really go to hell and he can't deliver, don't take the money. Yeah, I guess it's that simple. You could be like, you know what, this isn't working. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm sorry, but here's your money back, right? Yeah, best you can do. All right, so I think we covered it well enough, folks. If you if think you get we lost missed... between the moon and New York City, man, the best you can do is fall in love. Arthur. Uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. I, w- I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to do that. Not enough to drink yet? Yeah. You're drinking beer tonight instead yeah. of the whiskey. Drinking a summer shandy on this hottest day of the year. I felt this was an appropriate, an appropriate adult beverage, a summer shandy. I work in government. I just need to not fall asleep during work hours. Often. Mm. <laughs> it was like that at Merck sometimes. Big Farm and the government have a similar cadence, I think. Yeah. So, anyway, if anyone thinks we missed something, please feel free to reach out and let us know. We can always recover part of the topic let if, us know. Uh, if there's enough to talk about. And with that, I think we're going to take a little break. So we will see you guys in probably five to ten minutes. I don't know if what we do need you a long Another break Another Shandy today. or... Should I pivot to the Seagram's Italian ice wine coolers? absolutely going to get myself another beer as soon as the break comes. Yeah, I think another shandy will work. All right, folks, we'll be back in a few. See you then. Peace. Are you a fan of the Iron Scissorman podcast? If you are, don't forget you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash ironscissorman. Or you can buy merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash ironscissorman. And thank you. All right, we are back. I just want to point out that before everybody thinks I'm a friggin' alcoholic, this show uh, and Tuesday night game nights are about the only places I ever consistently drink at all. And then, like, like we had you guys over for the Fourth of July. There was obviously beer at that, but, but like, I'm not, I'm not like slamming beer like every night. You, I don't know why uh, I feel I even need to say anything, but are you worried it just about struck that? me as. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm always, I've always got a beer in my hand on this show, but Look, again, if, that's because of this show. If somebody judged my life or based on how much alcohol I drink on Iron Sysadmin, they would think that I was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> I think it's part. I think it's part of the Iron Sysadmin shtick. It really kind of is, right? Since right and. And especially now that we can't get legitimately drunk at Red Hat events. Right. Because drinking at work is much better. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) I don't think I think I was sober for only half of the last summit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you need to drink every night to be an alcoholic? That's a Uh, valid question. Probably not. Okay. All joking aside. Alcoholism is basically a dependence on alcohol. And I... I, fir- I can firmly say I believe I am not dependent on alcohol in any form because if there's none in the house, that's it. There's none in the house. There's no, like, scraping okay. together pennies to go get some because I feel like I need it. All right. So what's considered an alcoholic? Now, this is this is asking the Internet, and this is an answer from WebMD. Okay. But this sounds like a reasonable answer. What is considered an alcoholic? For women, it's having more than three drinks a day or seven a week. For men, it's four or more per day or 14 a week. Why is it higher? So I, that seems, I don't know why it's higher for men. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, 
Is drinking three beers a day an alcoholic? Uh... But it said seven in a week? Seven in a week for women. Fourteen, you said, for men? Fourteen a week for men. Yeah, it seems a little... I mean... So men can drink twice as much. Maybe it's a social thing because men are socially more expected to drink, which is weird in itself, right? (laughs) Well, men tend to be larger, too. Yeah. Now we're getting into obviously all of these, there's like, obviously there's yeah. big women and small men. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the definition you know depends yeah. on your biology. It seems a little bit. Uh, the point is, am I drinking four or more a day or fourteen a week? No, not even close. So, if you drink every night, um, okay. So let me answer Aaronobi's question. Um, properly. No, you don't need to drink every night to be an alcoholic. Right. You could absolutely be an alcoholic without drinking every night because you might take a couple of days off. But if you have 14 or more drinks in a week period, you might have a problem. I always consider it like I, a, a matter of dependence, right? Like you, right. If you feel I, like I think you it's arbitrary. Survive without. I thought that was always that was alcoholism, but. I'm oh. probably more dependent on coffee than I am on alcohol. Agree. <laughs> I want my coffee. And and coffee is important so that the others around me survive. Right. Right. It's not it's not that I'm gonna die, it's that I'm gonna kill the other people around here if I don't have coffee. So uh um, So it's it's a safety a safety measure for them. I guess to wrap this up, I'll I'll give the same disclaimer I give to anyone who ever wants to be a guest on this show. Because if you've ever watched the show, you may think there's an expectation that you bring a drink with you. I always oh, say Lord, that no. drinking is welcome, but not required. So Yeah, no. It's it's not I've got very good friends who don't drink for whatever reason. Either they are alcoholics right. themselves or they 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 feel it's against their faith or mm-hmm. it's just not good mm-hmm. for the it's not a, a wise health decision. It I mean I'm a type two diabetic. I probably shouldn't drink as much as I do already. But, yeah, pressuring people into drinking, that's not cool. That's never acceptable. I mean, Charles doesn't drink anymore. He, he, he but does he drink any less? Huh? He, huh? Uh, huh? He, he decided it was no longer a thing he wanted in his life. He still co-hosts the show from time to time. Zero pressure. Yeah. We don't, we don't expect him to drink because we know it's not part of his life. So. Yeah. And, that, and that's absolutely cool yep. and acceptable. So, anyway. So, here's to you, Charles. Yeah. Yeah, the Iron System in podcast... Does not we salute you? Does not uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pro- mandate prohibit drinking, but we also don't mandate it. Do what you want <laughs> and drink responsibly. I feel like a beer ad now. <laughs> Gambling problem? Dial one eight hundred loser. I can't believe that ads for like online casinos and whatever include that number at the end. I, I get that they're mandated by law. I'm so- sure. It's Ar- like Aronomi, I, I, Aronomi, you're bringing up wonderful stuff in chat. He's saying he, he asked because he finds it difficult to actually define the minimum limit of alcoholism. I think in this day when everybody thinks they're a constitutional lawyer and a virologist right. and everything else <laughs> and pushes that opinion on social media, yep. I, I, I know what I know enough to say, you know what? I it I don't know enough. I would 
my daughter, the the ma- with the masters in social work, would be the first would be the person I'd go to first. There you go. And ask her, <clears throat> what did you learn about alcoholism? You know, maybe from a social uh, worker perspective. Maybe she'd ask Google. What What would you can? Ah, she might <laughs> ask who I don't know. But she would certainly. She has certainly more received more professional training on alcoholism than I ever have. Mm-hmm. I do know this with scouting alcohol is absolutely prohibited at scout events. Yep. So there's parts of my life where it is not welcome. And that's fine. Anyway, on to the part of the show where we don't talk about social problems and we talk about announcements. <laughs> Yay, announcements. Well, we do occasionally talk about social problems. We do. They tend to be more about how stupid Facebook is. We do from time to time. All right. So, let's see here. Patreon update. I don't think this list has changed since last time we recorded, which is fine. Our patrons, as of this morning at like 10 o'clock, Jeremy, Aranami, Andrew, Tatro, Bruce, Robert, Matt, David, Solemn with a three and a zero, is it might be a pipe in there? Is it an L? I can't tell. Uh, Trooper Ish, Linux Sys 666, Gimpy B, Mark with a K, Dementor, our good pal, uh, John the Nice Guy, Mark with a C, Julius, Andy, J, Charles, and 22532. Two. Our good buddy and oldest patron. Cheers to you too. So, uh, fun fact, this list is actually sorted just because it's the way Patreon gives it to me, newest patron to oldest, so... I like that. Yo, I, I could reverse order it sometime, just to give the... No, I, I like ending on two. Yeah, it's good. And cheering for him. Two, we for should her. make a sound effect for two. It's getting to be a part of the good. show now. As always, part if... Part of uh, this world... If you would like some Iron Sysadmin Min merchandise, you can find it at Teespring. Teespring.com slash stores slash Iron Sysadmin. Mayor Aranami, you, you're, you're tracking. It's basically Aranami's t-shirts. Doing t-shirts in chat. Good. Yeah, he said t-shirts. Yeah, one of these days I'll get one, man. One of these days I'll get one. I uh, I owe one to our, our buddy Odin. Odin the Norse god? Yeah, he's a listener. Didn't you know that? Does Alligator Loki listen? I don't think so. Oh, that's a shame. He's not a patron. Alligator Loki's the best Loki. <laughs> all right so let's see i get any other announcements i don't think so that's about everything we don't have any new re- new reviews this week or these two three weeks um i think that's it I, I i feel like i should be plugging b-sides delaware but jason didn't come so you know we don't uh i don't i don't know anything about b-sides off the top of my head at yeah. least not enough to plug it it's coming uh sometime September? not today but in the future. This month? I don't think it's this month either. It's this year. Oh. And it's well, there's not much of it. Crazy enough, there's not much of this year left. You're right. Can you believe that crap, Spock? I know. It's weird. Somebody, <laughs> maybe you've seen this. Somebody has been sharing this meme of Skeletor. Remember Skeletor from the from He-Man? I, of course I remember Skeletor. You know how, how he'd always be, at the end, he'd be like, I'll get you next time and run off? Well, it's that, yeah. it's that meme, right? And the thing that he says is... 2050 is now closer to today than 1990 was. And then he runs off and says, you know, I'll get you next time or whatever. Because he's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid Skeletor. (laughs) Freaking Skeletor. So, yeah, I don't think we have any other announcements, except that 
things are happening. Apparently, DefCon went on last week. Yeah, last weekend maybe. Yeah, Nate, the JSCAR went. We, and we were we thinking were about having JSCAR on, him about it tonight. but uh, he said he needed some time to prepare. So next time we do a show, we'll probably have JSCAR on. He'll tell us all about what happened at DefCon. I didn't partake at all this year, even though they had it. They did it hybrid, so they had an online presence and they had it in person. So I, I think s- I was on the water during DefCon. Maybe no, I think you. August first through the fourth was my canoe trip. When was DefCon? I don't know what the dates were. It was like late last week into the weekend, I think. I could be wrong. Oh, so it probably started when I got back. Somebody's okay. listening, like, God damn it, DefCon were these days? How can you not know that? Sorry. Yeah. I don't <laughs> DefCon's never been my bag, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean And I got and, and to be super, super honest, because that's just who I am, I the virtual stuff for the past, it's gonna be two years in March. Yeah. Screw you, anti vaxxers. Um I, I'm I'm over virtual stuff, man. I, I, I you have I been for care. a while though. That's not the first time I've heard you say. I that. I have been, but I I honestly it's been going on for so long now that I'm just like super over it. I do miss the time when online meetings were a novelty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were the thing that you defaulted to when you couldn't meet in person, but most of the time you were in person. Yeah, and granted, as remote workers, like we spend all of our days in virtual meetings anyway. But yeah, it's so much so worse that... now because we don't have an option to see people in person, which we did get to do relatively frequently. You know, monthly, maybe even two or three times a month before. Yeah, but we've bitched about this in the past, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spend ten minutes going off about it. So yeah, because we'll end up going down roads. Talk and... to me about rediscovering a love yeah right a sweet sweet love so i've talked on this show between a man and his puppy yeah i've talked in the past on this show about the project i used to take with me to DerbyCon, which was a raspberry pi based uh capture the flag contest in a hat right he has talked about this folks he's talked about it a lot i've talked about it so um, possibly almost as much as that hex lamb right so the the thing that I don't really talk about much, which is kind of implied, but um, when I was younger, I was really into electronics. And that's what led into computers. And when I found computers, I kind of put down the soldering iron and really didn't care much about that anymore. And I focused on computers uh, because it was just more interesting to me. And then when I started doing the Derby project, I kind of got reintroduced to the world of sitting down with a soldering iron and doing things like connecting a display you know, a, an OLED display cool. to uh, to the Raspberry Pi so that I could fit it inside of a hat without this big, bulky sets of connectors and crap, right? Because when you're doing Where something... Where was the Raspberry Pi? Did you put it in a shoebox? It was in a hat. Oh, okay. Just, I wasn't sure. You forgot. <clears throat> it's in a derby, literally. It's in a derby about the size well, I, of our fedoras. I, I, right? I, I know where it is. <laughs> I'm... Anyway, yeah, just causing trouble. Uh, but because of the confined space, you couldn't just be like, "Oh, well, I need a connector for this and connector for that." You had to like take wire and solder it together and make it do stuff, right? And right, of course. I was really rusty at that. And thankfully, the guy who helped me with that project the first year I did it, his name's Rich. Um, he worked with me at the college. He was still really into it, so of course. That's a very strange last name. He worked with me at the college. Yeah, that was his last name. It's funny, right? It is weird. Yeah. His kids get teased all the time about it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's Tony. He worked with me at the college. Yeah. 
Anyway, my point is that like that got me back into it, and then of course when when DerbyCon went away, I didn't have a reason to do that anymore. But I obviously kept all the tools and stuff that I had accumulated. Well, now I'm getting back into it with. So I've talked about the hex hex lamp as Mark was kind enough to point out. Well, I was excited to make it, and now it's made and it works, and I'm happy about that. One might say incessantly, but yes, it is very cool. Mark, let me tell you. About my hex lamp. Isn't it great? Do you have a few minutes for me to talk to you Do about you my Lord and Savior, my hex lamp? <laughs> anyway, the 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 spirit of the hex lamp was that from start to finish, right? It's it's I got a 3D print from the internet and I made all the pieces, right? And then I got this little controller board and a LED strip. And I put them together, and I flashed open-source software to it, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. Well, since then, I've built two more LED projects. I'm putting up three fingers. Two more LED projects for my kids' room because they had a little LED strip, that the, this little cheap thing that they it, had broken. It's like from Shrek when the guy doesn't add a count. Pick three, my lord. Pick yeah, three. Right. And he has two fingers up. Right. Uh, but I did that. And the kids love it. I made one for each of them. And the, the cool thing about that was, so when you make, so there's a software called WLED, which is what's on the hex clamp, and it's what, it's what which, I put on this Which tool. sounds like a radio station. WLED! It, it does. But WLED is made to work on these little ESP8266 and, 80, and 80, ESP32 <clears throat> boards, which are like, if you're familiar with Arduino, it's a similar concept, where it's, it's a programmable chip that has a bunch of GPIO pins on it. Um, I thought I had one on my desk here, but I don't. I must... Oh, it's that's the one I put in the other LED strip. Never mind. Uh, but they're just like a little controller board that you can flash software, or you can write software too, and then you can send commands over GPIO to whatever you've got plugged into it. Um, so I've made... So, right. So when you put these things together, what you end up with is, you know, you need power, which powers the power. board, and then you need connections soldered to the board to go to the LED strip. But what you end up with is this mess of what looks like unfinished work because you have a control board with things soldered to it. So what I needed was a case to put it in. Now, anybody who remembers Radio Shack remembers you could you used to be able to go to Radio Shack and buy project boxes. Yep. You remember those, right? And then you would just of drill course. the holes. You, I'm old. Sorry. You would drill the holes into them that you needed and then you'd run your wires through and then you'd do your thing. Well... 3D printers have replaced this. Mark, I don't know if you are involved in any projects like this, but you can find, if, if you've thought up a project that someone else has done before, right, you can find a print mm-hmm. for it on, on Thingiverse. Oh, I I have done that for many things. I my When my daughter got her Apple Watch, she uh-huh. wanted me to print her out this little Macintosh charging station for it. Right. And it's pretty cool. Right, so... What I have, in fact, I do have the first one I printed here. Hold on. This little box here that I've printed, and this isn't the one I ended up using, obviously. It yeah. has, you know, this fits right on top here and snaps in place, and it's got little pegs in here that the ESP board sits Peg. in. Peg! Hey. Married with children. Right, and then it's got a hole here to run your power in through, and it's got a hole on the other side to run the yeah. LEDs back out through the other side, and you basically have a little control box right there i printed out i printed out little boxes for bry when he was uh right. for his sensors for a sump pump right right same same deal right so i found right. a different 
box that I liked better than this one, but I kept it because it is still a valid box for use for some other project. Uh, but it even has, like, you know, vent holes in it for, uh, you know, to let air in to cool the little processor on the ESP8266. Or out, right. Um, but what I ended up with, and maybe I'll put a picture in the show notes, what I ended up with is a very professional-looking LED strip. It looks equally as good, maybe even better, than the cheap LED strip that the kids had that they broke, right? It's handcrafted. Plus, right, it's 100% open source. Like, isn't that cool? I don't know. I think it's That cool. is cool. I bust your chops a little bit, but I, I totally get where you're coming from on this project stuff. Right, it's... and then... I'm fiddling around with Home Assistant, right? That's one of the reasons I like these things. WLED integrates with Home Assistant really well. So now the kids can ask the the Google spying device to turn on their lights and change the color and Man. set it to different modes and whatever. Same as with the hex lamp that Mark doesn't like me talking about. Um, no, I, I don't mind you talking about it. It's just, just, you know, I feel like I know that hex lamp better than some coworkers. So I have, as many people do, I have a digital thermometer on my front porch so I can tell how hot it is outside. Um, it's old. It doesn't do much other than display the temperature in the inside of the house, right? I can't talk to it from Home Assistant, which has some benefits, right? If you can tell how hot it is outside, you just you have to Home yell Assistant at it do stuff, right? through the window. Well, the other thing you can do is Home Assistant can read weather forecasts, and you can base stuff off of that, which is fine. But I really wanted something that got me the actual temperature outside. So, again, with one of these little ESP boards, uh, you might remember me talking about that open source thermostat project that I was tinkering with. Yeah. When I, I was do. buying parts for that, I got these little temperature sensor boards. They're called BME 280s. And they're just, they use four wires one for power, or two for power, I should say, and then two of them for data that goes back to whatever you've got them connected to. And they'll give you temperature and humidity and like barometric pressure and stuff. The ESP boards with this other thing called Tasmoda, which is another piece of open source software you can put on these boards, which is what these light bulbs that you can see in the background run, um, will read the temperature sensors, and then it'll talk to Home Assistant and read the temperature in. So I built a little thermometer for the front porch in the exact same box I built for the WLED. So uh, what you could do is you could have the light change color based on the temperature. I could. <laughs> I 100% Like, if it's really cold, it could be blue. Yes, and as it gets hotter, it could go to brighter and brighter red and orange. I could do that. That you is absolutely that. a thing that I can do with. Home you should system, do that, which is kind of cool. So you right? can look at the lamp. You can look at the light well, and know how hot or cold it is based on the on the color the bulb is. For me, what I use it for is um, I have currently Nest thermostats for both my air conditioner and one of the heaters in my house. But there's several other heaters that aren't smart thermostats yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I can do is between the actual outside temperature and the forecasted temperature, I can tell the house whether it should turn on the air conditioning or the heat. So I don't even have to go and turn those things on. And it'll reset them at the overnight, right? So the old dad argument, don't touch my thermostat. Well, if you touch my thermostat, it's going to get set back later. By the computer in the basement that resets it. <laughs> well, there you go. I still like the light idea based on what the temperature is. Oh, outside. yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I told you about this. I also have my OctoPrint instance tied into Home Assistant. So when I start printing something, OctoPrint has a camera, right? So if there's no light, it can't. the camera can't see what it's printing, right? So I have one of these smart bulbs down there. And when the printer starts printing, it turns on the light so that the 
so they can see the uh, so the camera can see the print. And then when it's done, it turns it back off again. Clever girl. Pretty cool, right? So yeah, those are the neat little projects that I've had going on. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about them because it really I feel like it's bringing me into something that I used to enjoy and I got away from, and now I'm kind of going back to re-enjoying it. That is good. It is kind of cool. fantastic. I like it. And the only other thing I had to talk about is the VR headset that you gave me. I finally have actually working because you graciously Fantastic. gave me the headset, but then I needed the controllers and stuff. I finally well, I needed up. the controllers for exactly. my Vive. Oh, I'm not blaming you. I mean, you. for my index. I'm not blaming yeah. you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being ungrateful. Did you, ju- did you jump into uh, Job Simulator or Vacation Simulator yet? Not yet. Not yet. You and I talked about that. It might have been Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see how much. Vacation uh, sim- If you only pick one vacation simulator, it's probably more of a game. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, the, excuse me. The kids want to try Job Simulator. They must have seen it somewhere. Job so, Simulator's hilarious. So I may I may pick that up. There might be a bundle. Maybe. I don't know. Let's see. But so yeah, at the end vacation. of the day, it's like eight-year-old me is just like like so excited to that that I now have a VR system. Because that was like the thing, right? I mean, maybe not when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, 80s, 90s, that was the thing. This is the future, VR. And we had like movies like Lawnmower Man, which were done with like eight polygons, right? (laughs) Yeah. Job simulators, uh, like 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. Vacation simulators, 30 bucks. I looked it up. Job uh, job simulator is pretty funny. They're they're both act. They're both very funny. Both yeah, good. we'll we'll probably pick up Job Simulator and then Vacation Simulator later. Later, yeah, later. They're both. I mean, they both have objectives and stuff, but they're both also very sandboxy. Mm-hmm. Like even after you've done what you're supposed to do, you can just goof off with the with all the objects and stuff, and they interact in very funny ways. So it's like having a real job. In some ways, when you're done what you're supposed to do. You can goof off, <laughs> or you goof off during. So anyway, yeah, we'll probably try that. No, we, um, the kids actually love the, um, let me ask you this. Let me, let me ax you. Have you tried Google earth VR yet? Cause that's free. I did. That was fun. Um, that is sometimes let's call it stunning. The, the funny thing is I, uh, I couldn't figure out how to get to street view, which I think would have been really cool. Street view is hella cool. There must be a button um, that I missed during the introduction that lets you switch from globe view to street view, and I couldn't figure out what the hell it was because now I have to go look it up or something. You're, yeah, I think there is, and and yeah, Google, it, it's it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat to uh, just to be able to pan around the globe like that was pretty cool. But to, to get to get into street view, I think would really sort of yeah. finish that experience but uh yeah we're the the kids actually love just the little home they put you in when you open up steam vr you know like your your mm-hmm. home screen where i'm you familiar can games and where you can tinker around they love playing in there and valve's uh the lab the lab is good is yeah. really fun like whenever i want to tinker around with vr i just fire that up because it's fun um and there was a planetarium app that i found for free which which there's been tinkering yeah with. There are there's a fair number of free things now. Some of the some of the stuff are just basically sometimes just like tech demos and aren't mm-hmm. that great. Um, Beat Saber is a good one. There's uh you, you played a space uh, you played Space Pirate Trainer here I think that was the shooter. 
I haven't with played the, that. With the gun in each hand, Space Pirate Trainer. That's an excellent one. But uh, uh, the, the lab has a cool like archery game, which I yeah, found lots of fun. it does. And that space game. There's like a, it's almost, it's very akin to like uh, Asteroid, except 3D and VR. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was lots of fun. Because, you know, your, your one hand is the ship, right? So it's very maneuverable. It really takes, like I've always thought that video games, the one thing that I find the most infuriating about a video game is when the controls get in your way. Yeah. Like your thumb can't move fast enough or your, you know, the 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 reaction from your brain to your fingers is not fast enough. And it's very frustrating to me because it's like I should be able to do this. Like even in a case where if this were real life I could do this, right? But I can't because of this stupid controller in my thumbs. Well, VR takes that away to some extent. Right? So like being the able shop. to move that ship around really quickly and precisely, I can do that because my hand moves quickly and precisely. Uh, but if it were a controller, it'd be all kinds of like oversteer and understeer and you know what I mean. Driving's a perfect oh. one. I'm terrible at driving games, but I can drive pretty well, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of, uh, if you filter for free VR games, there's, yeah. some of them are really good. There's the Star Wars Droid Repair Bay. You might enjoy that. I'll have to look, look, look that one up. And, uh, yeah. Star Wars Squadrons. That's a full That's a full game. Mm -hmm. But you get to fly an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter in virtual reality. It, that would be cool. It's unreal. Yeah. I'll have to try that out. <sighs> I'm glad it's working out for you, though. Yeah. Glad the girls are enjoying it, too. If they... Do your girls like Minecraft? They do, and I grabbed Minecraft VR because I remember you telling me about it. Did I you grab Vivecraft? Because Vivecraft is the one that lets you use mods. That, I think that's what I got. Because Vivecraft will let you do MC Parks, which is Disney World built block by block. The thing I'm worried about is that if I show the kids Minecraft VR, I will never get my laptop back. That's not my problem. I know it's not your problem, but that's the reason I haven't showed it to them yet. <laughs> yeah well i haven't even tried it myself yet to be honest so for all i know it's, it's where you just gotta you're gonna have to just set limits at that point i guess oh yeah but yeah absolutely but it'll be a, a constant thing like it'll be the middle of the work day you know i'll be on my my one-on-one -on -one call with uncle mark and kira will come running in saying can i play minecraft vr <laughs> and then if if you don't say yes you're a terrible dad right we See? all know that See? so anyway yeah what do you have going on mark i feel like i went on forever about these little esp boards that's fine that's fine. Uh, so my youngest daughter, Abby, is in Korea. I think I talked about that last time that she was leaving or mm -hmm. she had. God, had she left that Thursday? I forget whether you had a show that day. I, I don't no, think, I think so, she was. On I feel like the, I think she was on the come. run up to leaving. Yeah. So she's done with her two weeks quarantine in the next day or so. So she's excited about that. She'll finally be able to go out and about and stuff and start her, her job. She's teaching English to tiny little Korean children. There's uh, two of the teachers that work at the school with her in her building. One is actually across the hall. She's British. And and she actually, uh, that that one teacher like made her day by giving her a beer the other, the other day as like a little gift. 
I don't think she could hang out with her because quarantine, but it was still kind of cool. Right. But um, so we've been using the group watching feature on Disney Plus to watch the Bad Batch together. That's cool. And then and then last night we watched What If, which is the new Marvel animated series, which is actually really pretty stinking great. Yeah, I've been um, I've been watching the Clone Wars because I've been told that the Bad Batch is basically a continuation of the Clone Wars. It is a continuation, and you should watch The Clone Wars because The Clone Wars is some of the best Star Wars out there anyway. So. I've heard, and I've been enjoying it. I'm still like halfway through the first season, maybe close to the end of the first season. It And and it's a good season, but the show actually gets better. I heard it gets it a lot better on. as it goes, as many, and, and as many series do. It, and it's basically the story of Ahsoka. Like, she's probably one of the best characters in Star Wars. What and I liked, Clone Wars tells her story. What I liked is that it fills in the gaps on General Grievous. Or it has started to fill in the gaps on General Grievous. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of gaps that get filled in. Because what it happens, um, what, between episodes two and three? Or one and two? It happens in between episodes two and two three. Because General you're Grievous also, just, like, shows up in episode three, and you're like, who the hell is this weird droid with lightsabers? Yeah, there's some gaps filled in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but there are several characters who yeah. who you've met before who just really shine in the Clone Wars. And then later on Star Wars Rebels. Rebels takes place um well, later, right? Yeah. Right before the right before the rebellion and is uh fantastic. Anyway, but so she's in she's in South Korea. I I should mention that, right? She's in the good one, mm-hmm. South Korea. Not the bad Korea. Uh, and, and Disney doesn't have Disney Plus in Korea yet. And when you log in from a Korean IP, it doesn't want you to log in. So I actually ended up using my Asus router. I've done this before to get to my home lab from like Red Hat office. Mm-hmm. But I set up a VPN for her through my router so that when she wants to use Disney, she just fires up open VPN on our windows machine connects to the uncle Mark VPN. You know, I, I sent her the cert via, I sent her the cert and the directions and she was able to get it working without me having to do a, a screen share with her. Pretty so that cool. was kind of cool. That means she's smart. Yeah. If she could get open VPN, she's pretty friggin' she's smarter <laughs> than me. I think, uh, she's not as nerdy with computers, but she's pretty bright. Yeah. So that that that's a bit of a technical tie-in, right? For her to watch Disney, I had to set up the VPN. But yeah, the group watch feature in Disney is pretty cool. Where you basically it. start a wa- you start a watch group, and then it it calls it a stream. So I've got her on FaceTime, you know, the fo- her on FaceTime in the little cup holder in the chair next to me while we're watching stuff and making our normal snarky comments because that's what we do. <laughs> well, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. So she she's doing well. And I was a very I was very apprehensive about her going cuz she and I are buddies. We've we've always done a lot of stuff together, including the canoe trips and stuff with Crew 74. But it's super easy in 2021 to stay in touch with someone even who's around the world. And I think the pandemic has kind of taught us how to yeah, how to maintain relationships more virtually. And not just that, so it's that, given us tools a lot of the tools like that watch party thing may not have existed i was just having a conversation with my wife about this earlier how i feel like even 
when the pandemic is over, and I know that sounds optimistic of me, but even when it's over, uh, we will have made technological gains that we might not have otherwise. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. That's true. So, um, I, I just want to say, that... like, before you move on from talking about her, good for her. Just to, like, go out completely, I am assuming that's out of her comfort zone, right? I would have been terrified yeah. as a teenager or a young adult going to freaking any, uh, like, going to the next state <laughs> versus a whole foreign yeah, country. Yeah, it's... It's definitely it's definitely a, a heck of a move. So we'll see how she does. Yeah. We had an exchange student. We had a uh, we've had a couple of exchange students, but our first one was from South Korea. Again, the good one. Mm -hmm. We had Helen was with us for two school years when Abby was in high school, and she became sort of fascinated with the Korean culture. And she's not seeing anybody. Her advisor, like she got a perfect. GPA in chemistry at Seton Hall. Mm -hmm. Her lab advisor's like, yeah, you take any year off won't hurt your grad school chances. So if this is something you want to do, do it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. No. And it's working out all right. It was it was much harder the days leading up to her leaving. I don't I don't find myself sobbing uncontrollably now that she's there because like I said, we can we can connect pretty easily whenever we want. Mm -hmm. So it's working out well. Um, I don't imagine that's kind I of pick, a moment as a parent. <laughs> it's so right. It, it's weird. Like, right. You don't want your kid just sitting on your couch being a loser. Mm -hmm. You want them to be successful, but sometimes when they're successful, they go away. Right. Like they move across the country or they go do. And it's like, ah, my, my, my child has left the nest and that's good. But that also kind of sucks. Yep. In some ways, I wish my child were a slacker living in my basement because I like hanging out with them. So it's, it's a very, it's complicated, man. Yeah. You'll get there. You will get there. Oh, I'm sure. As a parent. I'm sure. At the moment, I'm just worried about the teenage years. Um, oh yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> um, teenage girls, please. Oof. Yeah. 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 Good luck with that. Um, other than that, uh, Bloodborne picked that up on my PS4. The game's a couple of years old. It's it's written by the same guy who did who did Dark Souls. Uh, action role playing, very difficult. It's got a very gothic uh, vampire and werewolf feel at the beginning, but it moves into this whole Lovecraftian type of lore. And the combat is very difficult. And like the bosses are like figuring out how to beat a boss. It's sort of like an MMO in a way, but you're solo, although you can do some, co you can do co-op by ringing a bell and another hunter comes to help you, but it's intentionally hard. Yeah. Um, you die a lot. And when you die, you respawn at a lamp and the currency you've collected, blood echoes drop either on the ground or a monster absorbs them and you got to go back and get them back or you lose them. And if you die again before you get those blood echoes back, you've lost them. And these blood echoes are the currency you use to both level your character and upgrade your gear as well as to buy stuff. So hmm. so these blood echoes are pretty important. And and the whole level respawns except for bosses. Once you've killed a boss, it's dead dead. So there's a lot of farming. And there's all different weapons and, and all other stuff. And what's neat about it is it just 
the game kind of drops you into it and doesn't really tell you what the fuck is going on. Like a lot of it is very, very, you got to figure out now, obviously in 2021, there's a wiki and total spoilers if you want them. But I've been trying to be light on that. And the game, it's one of those games that like you kill a boss and now you're, I've killed the second boss. And now I'm like working my way through this new area. And I'm like, "Eh, eh." it's very tense. Like the first time you ever go to a new spot in an area. Um, And then you learn what monsters are there. And that's cool. uh, Yeah. yeah, It's it is a fun game. Very hard, but pretty dang fun. Uh, and then another nerdy thing. Uh, Josh uh, Josh and I played in a Magic tournament last Friday at Jaff. It's a comic book store. Um, he's going to run a Magic tournament with the crew this Monday, and I might even be able to... It's during the day, but I might be able to sneak in and play. They uh, Magic has released a D&D Speaking of office hours set. and free time. Yeah. <laughs> So I've sunk probably a little too much money into that already. Yeah. Magic is one of those games that I, I I burst into it, I play a bit, and then I kind of put it aside. It's one of those so games kind of, that you can spend a ton of money on. I probably have dropped close to 200 at Jaff last week. Yeah. Between that and some comics, yeah. Which, actually, that's... 200 is not a huge amount in the grand scheme of magic. No, for, no which is isn't. which is embarrassing <clears throat> to say that out loud. No, I just dropped a ton of money on a freaking fridge because adulting sucks. Adulting <laughs> can be challenging. <laughs> but but yeah, so so back into magic a little bit, which yeah. is fun. Yeah, that's cool. I, play, I played, I played, it played back magic when it first came out. I played magic back in high school in the late 90s. I have no idea when it came out. Is that close to when it came out? I don't know. 1993. Okay. So, yeah, mid to late 90s, I played it. Like, 96, 97. Game has legs, man. Yeah. has legs. It's been around a long time. In fact, I had had recently stumbled across a pile of my old Magic cards. And um, I was still at the college at the time. And I had a co-worker there that still played. You know? And I showed him the cards. I'm like, is there anything worth saving in here? And he looked through them all pretty quickly, and he's like, no. <laughs> They're all trash. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> but were they? I don't know. Or he was he snowing you? Well, he didn't ask for any of them later, so I assume okay. he was not trying okay. to play me. Or he didn't You didn't know. get rid of him, did you? I don't remember you still now. have them? Either they're still in the attic, or I got rid of them. I don't know. You should... So, so you should do two things. You should check and see if they're in the attic, and if they are, you should bring them here so we can check them out. And maybe one of these weeks, you should come and do Friday Night Magic. Dude, I haven't at, uh, down down here at Jab. I have not played in so long. <laughs> yeah, but what you do is you do it's it's a it's a booster draft. So everybody start you end up you you spend twelve or thirteen or fourteen dollars, you get three boosters worth of cards at the end of the night, and you get to play in a tournament. You get to have some fun. We could we could play a little bit to get you back in in shape. Yeah, right. I'd have to like remember the rules first. <laughs> the rules are easy. Anyway. Yeah. No, they were pretty easy from what I remember. And we played quite they a bit are. of it back in high school. And they've, they've simply, you'd pick it up again really quick. Yeah, I have not touched it since. We should do some magic on a game night, I think. Although I don't feel like hosting game night anytime soon, if I'm honest. It's too much fucking work. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I just made the podcast E-rated for explicit 
You did that like 15 minutes ago. I know. I did that it. already. So No, I remember. I'm just making sure it's it's got curses in it. So, yeah, so I'm silly. I've sunk money into magic again, but I'm okay with that. And I don't even need to do side IT work to afford it. So there you go. There you go. Tie back. So that that's what's up with me. Cool. And Josh goes back to college on the 27th, and then I'll be down. We'll be down to three people living in the house at that point. Me, Sharon, and our daughter Tori, plus the dogs. Cool. Yeah. So I did have one more thing I wanted to talk about before we got to the news, and that's mm-hmm. this crazy idea I had. Crazy. Uh, so the show is long. We know it's long. It's usually it about be. two hours. Uh, yeah. It is very clearly divided into two main parts. There's the main topic, mm-hmm. and then there's like the chat and the news. I guess you could say three Everything main parts. Else. But the chat and the news yeah. really kind of run together, right? Because they're all kind of the same content where it's just us kind of bantering about whether it's chat. Definitely bantering. Or like newsy stuff. Um, I've been considering releasing the show, same content, that won't change, right? Because I've tried uh-huh. for a long time to try to rein it down to a one to one to one and a half hour show, and it just doesn't work. We can't, we cannot cover the content the way you guys think we should cover it, or the way you guys have come to expect us to cover it, and still shorten the show. So either we'd have to drop some some content, or we need to do something else. And the something else I'm considering is cutting the show in half. We record it just like we do on show night, just like you're seeing tonight. And then when I edit it, I will cut it into two shows. There will be a main topic show, and then there will be a chat and news show, right? And then if you don't care about the chat and the news, you don't have to listen to it. If you don't care about the main topic, you don't have to listen to it. You can listen to one or the other, or you can listen to both. And I'm curious what listeners think of that. So if you're watching live, go ahead and let us know in the chat. There's only like one or two of you. Um, If you're listening after the fact... Uh, hit, hit us up on social media, either Iron Sysadmin on Twitter. HMU. Yeah, HMU. Um, or the f- on, on Facebook, it's just look for the, the page for the Iron Sysadmin podcast. Or you can send My us space. an email at podcast at ironsysadmin.com. That'll come to live me. Live journal. There's no, li- there's no live journal, sorry. Um, or if you're part of our Discord group, I had already brought it up there, and people were sort of mixed. If you're part of what group? The Discord! Thank you. That group. Um, anyway, I, I just want to know, right? Do people think that's a bad idea? Do you think it? Do you not care? You listen to both. You listen to one or the other. The whole idea is to make the show a little more digestible for new viewers, listeners, right? So if they want to listen to, if they've never heard us before and they come to our listing on iTunes or whatever and they see it's a two and a half hour show, that's that's a time investment, right? Uh, so I'm trying to make it a little more digestible, especially for new folks. You'll still get all the content. It'll just be broken in half. So let me know what you guys think. Because honestly, what I do not want to do is like put off user or listeners that we've already got. Because you guys are important to us. New listeners are great. I want to bring in new listeners. But I also don't want to ruin the show for the folks who've been loyal for so long. So I want your feedback. Nope. Let me know what you think. I don't know if I'd listen to it if I weren't on it. See what I mean? It's pretty friggin' long, and I don't know. But I, I'm not. If if I'm honest, hand to heart, there's hand on heart. But I'm not really actively listening to any podcast right now because I'm not ever commuting. Yeah, that's so usually when I would listen. I have noticed listenership or downloads, which is really the only thing I can track, go down since the start of the pandemic. 
And I think that's not because surprising. people aren't commuting. They're not commuting, right? So And I just don't I don't listen to podcasts in the middle of the day, if I'm honest. Neither like, do I. I don't usually listen to podcasts and work because speech and working don't jive as it's much. It's a direct con- direct conflict for the job you and I do, right? Right. Because if if I'm thinking about a problem, I'm not the the talking is just noise at that point. Yep. I'm wasting my time. Yeah. And if I'm listening to a podcast, I can't focus on the work problem I'm right. trying to solve. So usually when I'm different working, than music. When I'm working, yeah. I listen to music. Right. I don't listen right. to podcasts. If I'm out for a walk, I'll sometimes listen to podcasts. But sometimes, I got to be honest, yeah. I don't walk three hours a day like I used to commute. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's ironic that the very podcast I contribute to is not one that I'd probably listen to if I were just a listener. Right. So, folks, I'm just looking for opinions. If you think that's a horrible idea and you'd be like, I won't listen to your show anymore if you do that, let me know. Um, I don't think they're going to say that. I can't picture it as being that big of a a hindrance to to your ability to listen to the show. I know of another show that tried it and their listeners went crazy and they had to switch back. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so let me know what you think. And with that, I think we're going to move on to the news. Except I got to switch because it's not this one, right? That's not it. That works it. for the news, though. Sure. <laughs> that goes on for too long. All right, so here we go. So, news. We don't have a ton of news tonight. Well, uh, that means I might get some Bloodborne in after the show. You might. I think we're still going to go till we're going to go till ten just to bother you. Out. Oh, t- it is almost nine already. You realize that even yeah. though we thought the show was going to be shorter, it's still going to be two hours. It's not going to be shorter. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have some one forties, one forty-seven on the recording, but some of that's dead time. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're looking at minimum hour and a half show, unless we get through the news really quick. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So the first news article here. This is the cobbler whose children are barefoot situation. The cobbler whose children are barefoot? Isn't the cobbler the guy who makes shoes? Yeah. Or is that the delicious? Yeah. So Accenture, like Pete's cobbler, who who write white papers on how not to get ransomware, got ransomware. Right. Okay. Now I see where you're going. Now do you see where I'm going? Sorry, I'm still working on opening the links for the news, which is exactly what I should have been doing back at our break. It's like finding out the guy who is writing your weight loss program is 200 pounds overweight. Right. Right. So yeah, Accenture, who uh, so this is from CNN, by the way, the news article. Uh, they've been hit with some ransomware. And um, now we see this all the time, right? They get ra- Someone gets hit with ransomware. Oh, no, no, we're not going to pay the ransom. We're not going to pay the ransom. We totally got it back. And then we find out later that they paid the ransom. So uh, there's a follow-on comment slash article from Slashdot, which is also in the show notes. But apparently Accenture was hit by, what was their name? I saw it here a minute ago. Lockbit, the Lockbit ransomware gang, right? So these folks hit them however they got in. They got hit with ransomware. 
ransomware has locked up um, data of Accenture's. Uh, Accenture doesn't want to pay the ransom. They claim they have not paid the ransom as far as I've found online so far. They've started to restore stuff from backup. They say there has not been a huge impact to business. But the follow-on article from Slashdot suggests that the dark web now has some of Accenture's private business data uh, posted for sale or maybe just posted as public. Um, so, yeah, not good stuff for Accenture. Uh, good for them for not paying the ransom, but this is the unfortunate downside of, well, not paying the ransom, right? Uh, they start to threaten, mm. we're going to share your data if, uh, if you don't pay the ransom. It's not just giving your data back, it's we're going we're gonna to expose your data, and now we're seeing that play out, right? So a lot of companies aren't willing to go that far. They just pay the ransom and hope for the best. Some of them get their data back, some of them don't. But in this case, Accenture decided, no, we're not going to pay that ransom. And now some of that data is being leaked. So it sucks all around. Yeah. I feel like you have a comment that's ready to come out, but I'm not sure. I have a comment, but I've drunk two beers and <laughs> everything I say is going to be part of the permanent public record. So I probably shouldn't say anything. Okay. There's, there's a handful of companies that are essentially, and we all know who they are. They're essentially your IT body shops. And you get what you pay for. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so um, I like to use this as a moment to, to remind folks that. Uh, just... But even if you've even if you're dealing with very smart people and have an excellent staff, it's still possible to be hit. Yes. And that's kind of the kind of where it's about to go. Right. So um, even if you think you got all your stuff in order, these folks are good at what they do. I don't mean Accenture. I mean, the folks that are. Maybe essentially agree with what they yeah, do. Yeah, let's I'm not be saying clear. Not. Right. Um, I'm saying the the uh, the bad the guys, attackers. the attackers, yeah. are good at what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be successful at doing it, right? I, I there's job... some, I know I know some I know some folk who work for Accenture because their positions were sucked up by Accenture and then they were rehired yeah. to work the same role in the company and and they're they're clever nerds. But my point is, it's it's purely it's, a mercenary situation at that point. That it's not. It's not, it's not a badge of shame to be hit by ransomware because these folks. Sometimes it is. Well, right. Sometimes it could have been prevented. It, I sometimes mean, you were a dumbass. Generally, it always right. could have been prevented. But the thing is, social engineering attacks are meant to prey on your humanity, right? If you do That's not correct. have humanity, you are probably less likely to be hit. With so you're saying that ransomware, ransomware attacks. Ransomware attacks are not as successful, say, on Vulcan. Yes. <laughs> You're probably right. Mr. Um, Spock has never been deceived by malicious. It's really, you know, it's links. really common for IT professionals or cybersecurity professionals to point at the user and say, You're dumb. How could you have been tricked by this thing? Because it looks so obvious, right? Hey, well, like Jane I in accounting. Doesn't know that. Hey, she's just I got trying an to get email. her job done. She's just trying to make sure that business continues, right? Because that's her job, right? 
So you can't necessarily blame poor Jane from accounting. Yeah. I got an email today that looked like it was from Netflix saying my account was suspended. Yeah. And, and I looked at the header and I'm like, it doesn't look like it's a legit, like the, the from is legit, but it could also have been, you know, sent through whatever. And, and hovering over the, hovering over the options were, they were a little bit sus. So I didn't click on the, I didn't click on the buttons in the email, but I did go to my Netflix account to just verify that, yep. that, that it was still active. And that's like, the right cause thing oh, maybe, do. maybe the credit card expired. Yep. Yep. It was it was close enough that I'm like, I think this I think this email's garbage. But let me just let me go over to Netflix and double check. They are getting so good that I have and I know what to look for. Right, I have received Grandma doesn't. I have received legitimate emails from places that I do business with, places I've purchased from, or whatever that I did not trust because I couldn't tell. Right. I couldn't tell anymore the difference between a fish and a not fish. Uh, right. Because they're getting that. Everything good. stinks. Every, Everything's stinky. Right. Now it's with to the scales. point where anything that comes into my email inbox that says your credit card has expired or your account is going to be terminated or X or Y or whatever, I immediately suspect. The only one I trust is the uh, is the uh, free IP where I have to renew UncleMark.ddns.net every month. <laughs> So anyway, my point is, right, it's easy to point fingers at the folks, maybe the folks at Accenture, and say, how could this have happened to you? Uh, but the reality is, you only like all they need to do is prey on the person who is most willing to help other people. And it's terrible that that is the thing that, be, that makes you a target now. The willingness to try to help a customer is now the thing that makes you a vulnerability. That sucks. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. What does that tell you about humanity? Mm. It really sucks. I don't know how they got into yeah. Accenture. Maybe it was a completely stupid move on their part. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm sure someday we'll find out. Maybe we won't. But if we do find out, we'll cover it on the show. But anyway, that's the latest in the news of folks who have been hit with ransomware. We're going to move on to... Uh, you, remember, you remember Tom's Hardware... Man, this this site has been around forever. How old is Tom? How 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 long you think Tom has been around? Uh that would be long time. Yeah, I mean this. I remember Tom's Hardware. He was like an overclocking guy back in the nineties. Remember when overclocking was still a thing you could do? I guess you can still do it. Uh yeah, but most of it's like I I can overclock my eye my uh I I've actually got my graphics card a little bit overclocked. You do all of our software now. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be like, like like change some jumpers on your freaking motherboard. Yeah, I don't know. Hope you don't light anymore. your CPU on fire. <laughs> yeah. I remember. And there's over- a lot, a lot, a lot of overclocking. Like Nvidia now, you can overclock, but a lot of their graphic cards have built-in fail-safes, so that if you overclock yeah. it too much by mistake, it yeah, just doesn't do it. They didn't used to. It used to be. Uh, yeah, you'd buy you used to be Pentium, able to set shit on fire. You'd buy a Pentium one thirty-three. That's that's megahertz, folks. You'd buy a Pentium 133, right? And then uh, not you gigahertz, could, megahertz. You could overclock it to 166, and then you if, were, or or like and 200, hope- and then you're like, oh no, it's gonna catch fire. Well, <laughs> and you were hoping it, you're hoping it wasn't one of the ones that failed QA, right? Right. 
Because often what would happen is that the ones that passed a certain level of QA, they would be sold as the faster chips. And then uh, uh, otherwise they ended up in the bit, you know, in the, in the, oh, this one, we know that this one can do 133. And maybe it'll work if you overclock it. We don't know. And of right. course there were no fail safe. So it was possible to melt it down. Yeah. You could, you could literally fry your CPU. Um, they yeah. they did have they did have heat warnings in them, but they didn't shut down. They would just like beep incessantly at you. Anyway, uh, the, did they have heat warnings? The the thing that we're actually here to talk about on Tom's hardware is that Windows three sixty five is generally available starting at twenty dollars a month. Now you might wonder what is Windows three sixty five. So you might be BDI. familiar you might be familiar with Office three sixty five, which is Office suites in the cloud. Well. Take a guess at what Windows 365 is. So Windows desktop that is actually in the cloud, right. which means you need to have a piece of hardware somewhere to access it because it's basically basically a VDI, which, by the way, is a terrible way to work on a computer via VDI. I, I, I agree. I agree. That's And this, this and the next article that I included kind of touch on the same point. And I, I don't know about you. I get very frustrated working on a mobile device versus a device that has a keyboard and mouse. I think a mobile device needs to, it, it needs to have the proper interface. It's not about shrinking a keyboard to fit on a mobile device. It's, it's got to have an interface that you can work with naturally. Right. But I mean, even, even still like even Android and iOS, right? They're both, you could argue, depending on who you are they're they both have decent UIs, right? For what they yeah. do, sure. But things like phone. things like typing up an email or a Word doc on my phone super frustrating is utterly frustrating because I have a full keyboard to fight with, or I could do speech to text. Text, I suppose. Oh, but speech to text is ah, uh, it gets embarrassing it's, sometimes. It's I get tired best, of fighting right? with it. So speech to text. And I never, ever, 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 I never actually meant to say ducking. Right. And so Please. like there's there's different keyboard input types like swipe. I don't know if iPhone has that, but Android does where you can swipe a uh, a a word by well, by swiping so to the, each of the letters and half the, the time, Apple Watch has a thing where you can do like the shorthand swiping. Yeah. Like in a text. Right. But like So like Yeah. My point is none of them are, are entirely accurate enough. They're not as fluid as simply sitting at a keyboard and typing out what I want to type. Right? No, no, no. So, you know, this whole move to mobile computing, and I don't mean mobile like laptops. I mean like mobile like this thing in my pocket, which I'm going to talk. I'm, 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 not, I'm trying not to talk too much on how big cell phones are getting because that'll be in the next article. Uh, but the idea that I would want to use my phone or a tablet as a replacement for my laptop is ridiculous, if you ask me. And that's really, in my opinion, from a consumer standpoint, that's what Windows 365 is going to get you. It's going to get you the ability to put your computer in the cloud and access it from anything, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. That's a cool idea. But I think the implementation is going to be really, really important. How are you going to do that? Just getting to a remote desktop session of a Windows 10 or, I guess, 11 PC from my mobile device is going to suck. I'm not even touching on the lack of general-purpose computing 
that we're all going to have in our homes if this becomes the uh, the norm, right? So my cell phone will do the things it's programmed to do. My laptop will do whatever the hell I want it to, right? If I'm if yeah. I'm adequately skilled at programming and whatnot, my laptop will do whatever the hell I want it to do. My phone does not. My tablet does not because they are consumer devices that are made to do a thing. Anyway, I'll try not, I'll try not to get on that soapbox too high at this point, but I remember a few years ago there was talk of having what essentially would have been a a a cell phone uh and it would project a holographic keyboard down on mm -hmm. the desk. I remember that. And then project a screen on like the cubicle wall or whatever flat surface there. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's you know that that would be how you'd essentially have a laptop and a phone, and I forget whether it actually worked or whether it was like a fancy artist conception or so whether they ever ever able to prototype that stuff out. Even still, I think with a projected keyboard, you'd you'd still have the same problem that you do with an on-screen keyboard, and that is there's no tactile feedback. No, you're you'd be you'd be tapping on the desk. Right. 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 Yeah. Now, the keys would be bigger targets, so maybe you'd be have fewer errors. It'd be yeah. easier, but you wouldn't but have you're the, right. the tactile feedback you, you of a keyboard. Which and I'm the guy who intentionally prone. buys mechanical keyboards. Oh, yeah. yeah. As I believe you are. Yeah. I'm a dinosaur. I believe that the prop, <laughs> the, my, my preferred computer experience is a computer at a desk. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned to adapt certain computing habits to the cell phone. And then, like I said on our last show, I, I really love the Apple watch for what it does. Mm -hmm. I think it, 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 it's an edge device for my phone, which sounds insane. Like who the hell would need an edge device for what's essentially an edge device. But when you're using it, it, it's, it, it, it just heard, makes sense. I heard you like it edge makes devices. Sense. So we put an edge device on your edge device. So we put device. an edge device yeah. on your edge device. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and edge is honestly one of those annoying buzzwords that I wish would die in a fire. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. But when it, it, it works. Now, maybe some of that's because Apple just is fantastic at their at their user experience. I don't know. If this were some crappy third-party knockoff, maybe I wouldn't be so into it. Um. So anyway, yeah. if you want to use Windows 10 or 11 in the cloud, they do I, say they do say 10 or 11. I thought 11 wasn't released yet. Well, maybe, I don't maybe know. 11's I don't coming care. next. I don't know. But anyway, it is uh, Windows 365. So you basically can rent a virtual desktop. You can rent a computer. Running in Azure somewhere. Rent a virtual computer. Go have fun. But you still need to run it on a computer. Well, that's the thing. Or right? something. You can run it on almost like, anything, which is kind of what the almost any device they say. So you can fire. So up I could your use my really use expensive it. gaming computer to run a VDI. Right. Obviously, that's stupid. Right. I guess maybe if you got a crappy Chromebook. And right. and how and how how well do these how well do these VDIs perform? Can you do gaming on them, or are they just are they themselves? Or is it a is it a piece of garbage? I think you know the answer to that. I think I do know because the how's to it going to get that display back to you? Now there are some advance advancements in, in game streaming, right? That is gameplay streaming. I, you know what? So, I use PlayStation Remote Play. Yeah. I play my PS4 on this all the time, streaming across my network. Yeah. And it's pretty. It's pretty solid. You know what? Um, I got into. And I know you're one of the three people who bought Stadia. Right. I was so, just going to say I got into Google Stadia early. 
And a lot is of people, that still a thing? A lot of people complained about it, but I gotta say it was very playable. I shouldn't is say it was. Still a it's thing still or around. Did it I, fold over? I have not played it, but it is showing signs. Are you still paying for it? No, I stopped paying for it about eight okay. months ago because I wasn't playing it enough to to warrant paying for it. Anyway, um, what was I trying to say? Uh, it's showing signs that it may not be long lived because you know Google. Well, it's a Google product. Yeah. But so apparently Google opened their own game studio along with Stadia because they the intention was that they were either going to port or create games for Stadia themselves. Yeah. Uh, as they're working out that for closed. It. They closed that game studio. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, Big see, surprise. see, they're going to turn off Stadia. Don't use Stadia. And they might be right. I don't know. Um, I still think it's a really neat idea. The idea that you just have this little Chromecast and you have your controller and the controllers are very sure. nice. If Stadia closed tomorrow, it's ass. if Stadia closed tomorrow, I still have a Chromecast Ultra, which is actually a pretty nice streaming device, and I still have these two Stadia controllers, which are very nice, and I can plug in USB and use as a game controller for anything. Um, so I, I, don't I love feel the like lemonade you're making out of this. What's that? And, and I, I, I love the lemonade you're making here, and I really actually mean that. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> well, no, they really are nice controllers, right? And they work on my. That's retropod. a great pot. That's a great positive mental attitude. Yeah. Right. Anyway, the controllers, if you consider the cost of a PlayStation controller, which is like 60 bucks, these are easily on par with that. I didn't waste any yeah. money. Yeah, <laughs> PlayStation controllers are pretty spectacular. Yeah. You sure? Have you used a PlayStation controller? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying PlayStation controllers are not great. They are awesome controllers. PlayStation uh, controllers are probably the best gaming controller you'll ever yep. find. Yep. They're, they're amazing. Which also work with RetroPie. They do. This one's plugged into my. I I have two. I bounce them in. Be, I bounce them, uh, in between the PS4 and the gaming rig. Yeah, I have, because I have PlayStation Three controllers that I use for that. And but then you know the quality of PlayStation controllers. Oh yeah, they're great. I have a PS3 and a PS4. They're great controllers. They're I awesome. asked you if you used a PS4 controller or a PlayStation controller, and you said no. I didn't say no. Oh okay. You do wait. You own a PS4. I I own both a PS3 and a PS4. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And a PlayStation, if it matters. That's up in the attic somewhere. Yeah. So you could play Bloodborne. I could. Anyway, back to the news. I have one more article, and it's really in the same vein. I thought it was the. I thought that was the folding phone. I thought we already touched that. Well, we kind of touched it, but I didn't really talk about the folding phone. The folding phone is stupid. So this comes from yeah, and this is exactly my point. That's why I include it because we've talked about this before on the show. When I think it was Samsung was doing folding phones, it was like the Samsung Galaxy Fold. I remember Galaxy hearing Fold. that as a listener. Right. So I was not on that show. The it's a stupid idea. Digital Trends says just get a laptop. What? Just get a laptop. Just get a laptop. Digital Trends. This is apparently a news site. I don't know. Uh, they're going on about how a Pixel Fold is exactly what's needed to make Pixel phones exciting. And they even have a heading down here about how folding phones are exciting. I, I read the article and it was the, the guy sounded like a ridiculous, stupid cheerleader. Yeah, I don't feel like folding phones are all that exciting. I, I want to hear from the listeners, though, folks. Are you excited about folding phones? Because I'm not going to say it was the dumbest article I've ever read, but I think, it was pretty dumb. I think folding phones are a terrible idea. Unless your goal is to have no device but your phone, right? Then I can see a use for the largest screen you can possibly manage, yeah. right? Um, I don't think a folding phone is the way to do that, though, because these phones are already designed to be... Phones should fit in your pocket. Like 
thrown away after three or four years, right? Now, some of us don't use them that way. I know you don't, Mark. You had your, your last phone for longer than three or four years, I think, and then it mm. fell in a lake or something. <laughs> I actually upgraded to the to the next model up, so I didn't have the 10R for... I fell into the trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. So this is, I, this is I think, an 11. So I, I have remember. I have a Pixel 4. I didn't rush out and buy the Pixel 5 when it came out. I'm not going to rush out and buy yeah, the Pixel 6 when 11. it comes out. I have I have been going down the road of should I be using iPhone again, but I'm I'm really the answer to that is yes. Yeah, right. But I don't want to go and divest myself in Android again, and invest in iPhone again because it was a then, pain in the butt last time. Well, then just do it. Just come back to the proper phone and then just stay there. But anyway, my point is, um, this article is implying that the well, in fact, they flat out say. That the Pixel 5 was an awesome phone, but boring. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't need my smartphone to be exciting. I need it to work. I kind of, yeah, I right? would agree. Like, this should not be exciting. No. Exciting is what you get out of your game system or that sports car you bought, not your phone. <laughs> I would agree. Your phone just needs to work. Your phone needs to be a thing that you pick up, and it's a utility. It's an appliance. You can make phone calls on it. You can check your mail on it. You can argue on Facebook on it. Uh, it doesn't need, like, what else? What else you need it to do? Like, why is a folding screen make it exciting? It doesn't. The I don't, guy. I don't get it. Yeah. Folding smartphones are exciting. It's a heading, man. It's a heading in the article. It has to be true. It's in bright blue, not bright blue. It's like this very. Maybe I'm just tired and blue. a little tipsy, but I found the article super stupid. I agree. That's why I included it. You, you may have noticed that sometimes I include articles that I disagree with just so we can talk about them. Well, that worked. Anyway, I, I don't get it. I don't get the folding phone thing. Maybe it's because I'm getting to be an old man. Just embrace it, man. Embrace the get embrace the yelling at the kids to get off your lawn. Embrace the fold. I had a folding phone 20 years ago. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> it had a screen that was this big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Ah, uh, what's well, old is new again, except now it's going to be more fraught with uh, peril. Peril. That's, that's the thing, right? So, like, for me, the Galaxy Fold, which is the one that we've talked about several times before, uh, one, it was twice as expensive as a normal smartphone. Because it was effectively right, two smartphones. Right, because it's got twice as much screen. Like, folded in and half. that's the expensive part. Um, and it had problems where at the hinge... It, like, dust particles and stuff would get in there, and then the screen would crack. Yeah. Right? That's the yeah. exact thing that I was worried about when they started talking yeah, about that's folding what I smartphones. Want. Right? So, unless they solve those things, and I, I, I imagine they will, as technology Spoiler does. Spoiler alert, they, they probably haven't. They make it better as they go, but I don't know. I just, I don't see a reason for it. I do not see a reason for a folding phone other than we need the biggest screen possible regardless of usefulness or price. And I think it's silly. Folks, if you think I'm wrong, let us know. I want to hear wrong. from you. <laughs> All right, and with that, I You think... know what would impress me? Uh, what? If, Google, if Google could make the Play-Doh phone, Play where phone? it comes in a ball, and then you just smush it out and you roll it into the size <laughs> you want it to be... You do what you're doing on it, and then you squeeze it back into a ball again and put it in your pocket. That would impress me. So it's not quite the Play-Doh phone, 
But there was a point where Google was toying with this thing they called Project Aria, which then became Phone Blocks, or maybe it was the other way around. Phone Blocks became Project Aria, where it was a phone, but it was a frame. You bought the frame, whatever form factor you wanted. And then all the different modules, like the camera and whatnot, would snap into it, right? Which made, Yeah, which, now I'm talking more like T1000 no, I get level that. of I get flexibility. That. You, you're, you're a little ahead of technology at the moment. But I thought the idea hey, was great because it I'm meant, a thought leader, yeah. It meant stuff like your battery, your camera, and whatever were all modules that could be replaced or upgraded as you went along. And, that's, and that aspect is cool, and that's something that but that's of course, what you don't get in the Apple ecosystem. Like many Google projects, it died. It died. So, uh, unfortunately, we never got Phone Blocks or Project Aria, even though I thought it was a really cool idea. What we did get, however, and I wanted to put this in the announcements or in news or chat or something, um, we've talked about these framework laptops that um, are meant to be user serviceable and repairable, and they have the same concept where a lot of the peripherals yeah. are snapping. That's in, in. The disc that's in the Discord channel. It is in the Discord. People want to look. Um, but it's pretty neat. They're out now. They are released. You can go buy one now. Um, I'm, nice. I gotta say I'm tempted. <laughs> tempted by the fruit of another. So, um, ooh, ooh, ooh. maybe tempted one day I'll buy one. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the other consumers do with them before I go ahead and invest any money in one. But I can't afford one now. And anyway, after buying a stupid fridge, <sighs> freaking stupid refrigerator domesticated crap anyway <laughs> i think we're done for tonight did we cover the news well enough i think we covered. i think well we enough. should be done yeah all right folks i think we're, we're done good. if you want to watch this train wreck live you can do so woo, woo, on the second and fourth chugga, chugga, thursday chugga, of every chugga, chugga, month find us at youtube or twitch just look for the iron system in podcast you can join our discord community if you'd like can find the link in the show notes or on ironsystemin.com. You can find us on the socials, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Just look for the Iron System In podcast. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you normally find the podcast. Subscribe! And as I always say, if you can't find us where you normally get podcasts, let us know because we'll go get ourselves added let there. Us know, I'm let sure there's us somewhere know. that you can't find the Iron System In podcast. Yeah, so next show's the 26th, and then I'm taking the next day off and taking the boy to college. Yeah, so theoretically, next show we'll have Jayscar on to talk about DEF CON, if anybody's interested in DEF CON. Yeah, and Josh, my son, was like, oh, I, I'm sorry, I can't be on the Iron Sys Admin tonight. I know you thought about me coming on at some point to talk about emulation and stuff. So. Oh. If he'd we like to come with on, that certainly do that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed the show, and I think, uh, you know, we'll catch you in the next one as soon as I as soon as soon I find the show's over pain here. In... Here <laughs> it is. All right. Good night, folks. Have a good one. Peace.